Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In a season that's been perplexing, mind-numbing, unfortunate, pretty much just god-awful, the Toronto Raptors find themselves ahead of the trade deadline as potential sellers. And here to talk about it, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, senior NBA reporter, senior NBA writer. Um, hello, down south. Hello, down there. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Just, um, you know, after that Hawks game, I was admittedly very, very, very sad. Not even annoyed. It's like, it's just sad now that this is where the rapper season is going. They had a few good performances against the Hawks or against the Hornets. Um, granted they are the Hornets, but you're just looking for some momentum to be built with this team as they look to kind of figure out their season, but it is just getting worse. And now we get to the trade deadline and that's been something that I think a lot of fans are just looking at is like the countdown to that, to where the Raptors are going to be deciding potentially, you know, where they're going to be going, um, this season, next season and so forth. And there are a few players that are up for player options. They're going to opt out and things can get really really interesting in toronto so for you i guess just your your opening thoughts on like the toronto raptors their season did you kind of see it playing out this way or is this as surprising to you as it is to me yeah i think anyone expecting this current raptors predicament at season's end would have been lying to you yeah. and i think particularly the raptors front office was expecting this to be a lot better be you know more in the range where the Pacers and the Knicks are right now, right? Like right outside that cusp of the top, top tier contenders, maybe showing enough that they're one move away to really moving into that top tier of contenders. Maybe, you know, being where kind of Cleveland is like, like the younger team on the rise, kind of nipping at the heels of, of those top tier, you know, the Celtics and the Bucks and, you know, throw Philly in there. Um, so I think unfortunately for, Raptors fans obviously things have not gone so well, um, and yeah, I I I do expect to see some movement here. I don't know how much. I think one thing that's been pretty clear from everyone I've spoken with, you know, agents to players, people on the team, people on other teams, seems like the Raptors will be you know surprise, holding their surprise. cards until the final <laughs> minute and, and probably not showing their hand too soon. Remember yeah. last year that core. Exactly. Remember last year that Goran Dragic first round pick package was kind of floating around the league for weeks mm. and they waited and then they waited and they waited and they finally went and got out, went out and got Thaddeus Young with that package, yeah. which you know, maybe also kind of was a factor into where they are now. That Young's a great player, but was he missing yeah. big man piece? I should piece say that, that we're talking to this Jake, team needed uh, before no, the Raptors next game that that's so going to be taking uh, going down in a few hours. You're actually going to it, right? That should be fun. Third time they've played each other in uh, a few weeks, actually. So I will be there. Let's just start here. Um, CJ McCollum had a comment actually yesterday um, about the Toronto Raptors. And he said there are rumors about some of the players on the team not being happy because of tampering. 
being smart. Um, I can't talk about it, but I think there's going to be some movement is what he's getting at. So just on that, I mean, what do you know about that? Yeah. Look, obviously, for Raptors fans paying attention, um, and mm-hmm. I became a little bit of a public enemy number one, I think, for the Raptors fan base this summer when <laughs> I reported that there was at least the thought around the league that OG Ananobi was dissatisfied with his role. And yeah. I, I really do think that there was a ton of effort being made by his representation to kind of indicate around the league that he would be open to being traded if that were to arise. And then clutch sports, course, by the way, clutch sports. That's his, yes. those are his reps. Um, And then of course, you know, Nick nurse said something along those same lines, you know, him and OG have discussed his role and blah, blah, blah. Um, So I think, look, there's a ton of players on this team that could and do thrive with the ball in their hands. And, there isn't exactly a pure point guard on this roster as well. You've got tons of players looking to have creation opportunities, pick and roll opportunities where they're the handler. And on top of that, you know, clearly anyone following this team has seen and been very aware that the starters get a ton, a ton, a ton of minutes. So there aren't a lot of, there aren't as many ball handling opportunities that everyone would want there aren't as many minutes as everyone would want. And you have a head coach who is, as you talked about um, before we went on, on to record, becoming a bit more prickly by the week in press conferences and has been taking like pointed, um, I don't want to say shots, but like he's been very stern in his evaluations of his players. And that I don't think has gone over swimmingly uh, yeah. with that locker room. So, I that's really all much more I can say right now. I'm definitely going to be going into the locker and pre and post game and trying to talk to these guys and see what they'll be willing to divulge and kind mm. of hear them here. Um, because all that stuff I've gotten so far has been secondhand. Yeah. I haven't seen the players up close since very early in the season when they came to play Brooklyn. So, um, but that's kind of the sense mm. I've gotten. And there was um, reported a some one-on-ones that Nick Nurse did with um, assorted players uh, recently when the Raptors simply just, they weren't playing well, things weren't going according to plan, and he had some one-on-ones, and they weren't received well by everyone. Now, with that said, uh, Chris Boucher, Hustle Play, he was on our podcast, and he said that he felt that they were necessary to have those one-on-ones. So is there a locker room division? Is just like the Nick Nurse methods not being received well by everyone? I mean, that could very well be the case. Uh, that's just the nature of coaching in some, to some degrees that, you know, some players are going to gravitate towards what you're saying. Other times, some players will not. Um, then be the breaks. And now the Raptors find themselves uh, just outside the play-in tournament and uh, this Knicks game, along with the games coming up, a lot of road games. They got this West Coast trip that is absolutely brutal. I earmarked it. At the beginning of the season, I'm like, this is brutal. This is like a seven-game, eight-game stretch is going to decide their season. And, you know, you might say that's already been decided because of how they played so far, but this is going to put the nail in the coffin if it doesn't go according to plan. Or maybe, who knows, man, maybe this is what uh, gets them together. Last season it happened. Um, they uh, had some injuries, but they went on the West Coast and they went 4-2, and two, and then they just started winning games and everything was honky-dory. But in the end, here we are now. Um how are the Raptors, the management staff, Masai, Bobby, how are they evaluating this team? I think they're going to be ultimately evaluating this team in the context of 
can they compete deep into the postseason? This is not a team that has gotten out of the first round since the year after that finals run. So that's a long stretch when that is your expectation, right? When you make the finals, when you go right back and have a deep postseason run um, in your defense. And then obviously there's been so much wonky, you know, just crap that's come to this team. I mean, the fact that they had to play in Tampa um, the whole season post COVID quarantine. Um, But to go back to how the front office is uh, evaluating this, like at the showcase, which was basically a month ago now in December, um, I think the first day was like December 19th, if I remember correctly, that Monday, like Toronto executives were telling people from rival teams and anyone who asked that they were evaluating. They were obviously not thrilled with their current position, but they Mm. were also optimistic and hoping that this team that they put together and saw make a late season rise up to the six seed last year could potentially do a similar thing that 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 homestand was coming up. And maybe this was going to be a team that would turn into a buyer ahead of the deadline. So that's the ceiling that they were looking at. Obviously the results have not been that way. So I, I do think that, they're going to do something that that seems to be pretty clear. Um, that's going to be the lead of my story that comes out tomorrow where there are trade deadlines that come and go and teams don't do anything. I mean, the Raptors did it that Kyle Lowry, uh, 2021, you know, sweepstakes, right. Where you had Philly and you had the Lakers and other teams checking in. They ultimately decided to hold that. That's not going to be the case this season by all accounts, by all accounts, the Raptors are going to do something. They've been waiting to evaluate, to do something. And with that ultimate goal of how can this team have its best route forward towards really moving forward in the postseason. And that might be, I mean, they're not that far away from the bottom five of, uh, you know, the reverse order, you know, the lottery standings Mm. right now. So if you only have to just dispatch one of those two guys in Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., who, have player options coming up, or maybe it's OG Ananobi because he's going to have probably the richest offers coming in, and you can find yourself having a pretty easy route from there to the bottom of the standings without having to do a whole fire sale, and then you get another top five pick like Scotty Barnes, and you springboard forward uh, into the postseason next year. Like That's something I think that will be on Raptors personnel's minds for sure. It's crazy that we're here because I, I mean, coming into the season, the the flaws of the team were obvious and they're still there, right? That's a decision that management decided to to go is that they did not address those, the rim protection and the lack of uh, guard depth. They didn't address those because they felt like building off of last season, uh, Fred's going to be healthy. He wasn't healthy at the, the second half of last year. It's like, maybe you can really make something happen, but for whatever reason, it's still confusing to me, and maybe this goes to C.J. McCollum's comments, uh, that it just hasn't worked out. And sometimes it's the defense, other times it's the offense, other times it's a lack of depth, other times it's the lack of shooting, even from players that we're talking about right now that could be dealt um, in, in a couple of weeks here. It just hasn't worked out. And the Raptors, we know that they are not a team that is going to sit in limbo. Um, they're not going to be in the middle. They're either going to push forward or they're going to take a few steps back. And uh, now at this deadline, um, they have a few options. They have a lot of options. That's one of the beauties of the Toronto Raptors franchise is that they always give themselves a lot of options. So they can do a whole uh, array of different things at the deadline. And, you know, where they are now, I'm curious what your your take is. Like, is there something when it comes to Fred, um, Fred Van Vliet, let's start with him. 
Fred VanVleet. It's like, what is your sense um, on what's good, what could be happening with him in a few weeks? And what is his interest in uh, not being with the Toronto Raptors? Yeah. So I, I look at predicting and kind of understanding the trade market and for agency as if I was the 31st front office, right? So mm-hmm. to do that, I mean, you, you kind of have to look at all angles of the transaction, which for this question, it's Fred Van Vliet's interest in Toronto or potentially interest outside of it. It's the Raptors' interest in keeping him and at what salary number. And then it would be rival teams' interest in acquiring mm-hmm. him and then at what salary number. And let's start with the last one I just said, because I don't currently see a ton of teams who are searching for $30 million point guards, starting high, starting level, high, high caliber, starting level point guards right now, hmm. especially on that salary. You look at Kyle Lowry in Miami, look at D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota. Those are two names that have, that have been floating around the trade market as well. Doesn't seem like a huge, huge, huge market for that type of salary to be moved right now. Fred's a little bit different in that he's younger than Kyle Larry and he's considered to be more of a two-way presence than D'Angelo is and more of a just sturdy floor general, right? But at the same time, I, I think there's definitely mutual interest on both sides of Toronto and Fred from everything I've heard to, to have him stick around. I, it doesn't seem typically when a contract is coming up and a player option is on the table um, and that leads to a trade situation. It's something like Gary Trent where the expectation is that the salary number the player is searching for is a little bit higher than that player's valuation or the thought that that player wouldn't want to stay there, i.e. Kyle Kuzma in Washington. I'm not, I'm not saying that is going to be the case, but there is definitely a belief around the league, right? That Kyle Kuzma might not want to stick around Washington. Um, and that could prevent, or that could preempt uh, a trade here at the, at the deadline. But with Fred to bring this to a close, I, I do think that there is plenty of opportunity for him to stick around, to resign um, depending on what this direction, the Raptors choose to go, because you mentioned, you know, something earlier about him being hurt and at the end of last season and kind of hoping he would be able to reemerge this year and the lack of, uh, you know, uh, uh, focus on point guard depth. There is definitely a thought that the Raptors uh, have kicked around. It seems that, you know, what if we just don't have a point guard, right? There was a lot of success in the postseason with Pascal and Scotty handling ball. So maybe at this point in time, Maybe that is something that really started to kick around. I'm I'm not sure that's the case. I think Fred has been so, so, so valuable um, for this post-Kyle Lowry era here. But then again, when someone – I remember speaking to someone with the rappers during Kyle Lowry's last season, and his thought was, we kind of need to move this guy to open the door for other people to take a step forward. And that might end up being the case with Fred too. Yeah. Or, or we could be having the same conversation about Fred and Scotty, <laughs> which is the interesting part. Okay, so that's that's Fred, and uh, he did appear on JJ Redick's podcast recently. He talked about his role, how it's changed, how it's impacted his play, and then also he was asked about his contract status, and he said that you know he didn't, he wasn't given um, an offer by the Raptors during the off season, and that 
you know, essentially he was going to make it hard on them and they were going to make it hard on him, which is very common, right? That's how negotiations work. The player is trying to get as much as they can. And the team is trying to withhold as much money as possible to build out their rosters. So I don't really make too much of those comments, but it's, you would think though, that, you know, with the Raptors and Fred, the loyalty that they've had to each other and uh, the good working relationship, no earlier than like this season, right? Uh, opening uh, or media day. You had Nick and Masai Ujiri talking about how great Fred is and how impactful he's been, his career trajectory. Um, it's unprecedented for an undrafted player to get to where he is now. So I would not be surprised if the Raptors kept him around. Gary Trent Jr., though, is a bit of a different story. What are you gathering from him? I mean, across the board, whoever I've spoken to the last two weeks, the the, the consistent answer has been that Gary Trent is the most likely trade candidate. And yeah. someone I spoke to in a front office, an assistant general manager on the East in the Eastern conference was pretty much confident that not just that they'll listen, but the rappers will actively look to move. That was one guy's opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it's very, very similar to the Norm Powell trade that ironically brought Gary Trent in the door in that. Yeah. Look, there was yeah. someone who yeah. wasn't exactly the rappers best player. But mm-hmm. definitely definite starter level. There will be definite interest in him on the free agent market. And that yeah. everyone's looking for two way wings. Gary Trent certainly is one of those. Not exactly the most consistent offensive threat. Not exactly the most consistent shooter. Not exactly the most consistent guy who can get to the rim and finish. Um, but he has that potency and he has that potential. Yeah. And when he's on, right? Twenty three. Lots of time. When he's on, he's on. So mm-hmm. I think yeah, he, he is young. So. Unfortunately, the business side of the game, like he, he definitely wants a significant pay bump from that 18 million, which people were considering at the time and a little bit of, of a steep amount. So I'm not so certain that the Raptors see his next price tag as something yeah. they're willing to um, to pay. And I think I don't know what they'll be looking to acquire back from him for him. Um, but I, I, I am expecting that if they do take um, a step towards selling, which at this point in time seems, yeah. you know, more likely than not, he's the first name they'll look to move, even mm-hmm. though he probably would bring back the lowest value of all these guys we're talking about. He is the easiest salary number to move. Um, and any team that would like to acquire him, um, which two teams I've heard have been New York and Phoenix. I don't know how strong that interest is, um, but those are just two teams I've been told to look out mm-hmm. for. Um, I mean, if, if a team wants to get him this summer, now is the time to go splurge and get him. So you already have opportunities to re-sign him via bird rights. What's interesting about the Raptors is that you have Scotty Barnes, who has been emerging lately. They have him as a screener, um, as a middle-of-the-floor playmaker, and he's been thriving. And so he hasn't had the best season, um, not similar to you know his rookie year. Sophomore slumps have been a factor. Teams are guarding him differently. But now, look at him now. Um, and some of his numbers have been terrific and he's, he's been put in a, in a position to be, you know, the player that he wants to be, right. That may not be the person who's at the top of the floor, but he's able to, you know, come off screens and he's making decisions quickly. And so you want to tap into that. You want him to learn and continue to grow. And then you have Pascal Siakam, all NBA player, um, you know, top 10, top 15, whatever you want to say, but he is that kind of player. And 
going forward, like you're trying to build out a roster that is going to be able to contend. Um, and between Fred and Gary, if you have OG too, and mind you, all these players that I'm talking about, Scotty, Pascal, and, and OG, um, they're on a contract next season for 2023, 2024. But the following year, they're all going to be something could be happening after that. You know, I think Scotty's up for a rookie extension. OG has a player option for 2024, 2025. Uh, he's going to opt out. Then Pascal Siakam is going to be UFA. So they're all going to be here next season, I would think, you know, assuming that uh, they're not traded. And if that's your two, three, and four positions, what are you going to be doing with the five? And who is going to be your point guard? And those pieces are very important. You know, within Vision... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Vision 6-9. Um, if you look at those three players, obviously, you know, Defensive potential, um, ability to run the floor, ability to do make some shots, right? Especially with OG and Anobi, but you're lacking shooting and you're lacking size. Um, and Christian Coloco, I mean, I, I talked to him last week, actually, and it was a terrific chat. But one of the things I said to him is like, man, I see you after every single practice, you have like 10 coaches working with you <laughs> because the Raptors know that they need a rim protector. And hey, if why go get a rim protector if we have one at home? And it'd obviously be a lot cheaper if they're able to plug him into that center position and make him their starting center. And then also you still have Precious Achua, who could be like your small ball center. You have a few more options after that. But that point guard position or that fifth starter is really important um, because the Raptors are lacking things. And, you know, Fred hasn't had the, the best season, um, at least from his standards, but he is still a valuable member of the starting lineup. And uh, you mentioned floor general, just being a heady player, you can see why um, he could be a fit. It just hasn't gone, you know, the way you you want it to go this season. Um, I have kicked around the idea, like, what if they decided to just keep Gary Trent and they did move Fred and how would that work? But then you are pigeonholing yourself a little bit to having Scotty or Pascal as your five. And that's still, you're not solving the rim protection issue. Um, so some things they obviously have to figure out. And, you know, I don't think the Raptors have to rebuild their team because there's too much talent here. That's why we're talking about these players that um, other teams want. But there does need to be a bit of a retool in how they're going to be going forward. And I think that's what's intriguing about this deadline is that the Raptors could, you know, decide some of these things before next season. And who knows, maybe this season uh, they're able to figure some things out. They get into the play-in. Um, I still think, you know, play-in experience is good for Scotty Barnes, especially if he's going to be in this role. And last season, you know, he got hurt in game one and that was it. And then he came back in game six or something like game six or seven, and he just wasn't the same player. So that is valuable experience for someone that you're looking as uh, a franchise player going forward. 
Okay. Um, that's Gary. That's Fred. Outside of those two, the Raptors have a lot of tradable contracts. Um, you go down the list. Like it could be an Otto Porter Jr. who has a player option next season. What does he decide to do? Uh, Ken Birch, Thad Young, Chris Boucher. All these guys could be involved in a trade for, you know, Gary Trent Jr. or Fred Van Bleet. Are there other non-core players that you're seeing um, some interest in or maybe the Raptors could be uh, looking at moving as well? I I would be shocked if Otto Porter didn't take up, didn't pick up his player option. And I would be I surprised if <laughs> yeah. I'd be surprised if a team yeah. I mean that's unfortunate, right? Like he had a really yeah. strong postseason, gets a nice contract from it, and just mm. doesn't play any factor in this season where no. rappers no. were clearly hoping he could provide a lot of punch off the bench. Necessary shooting hasn't just even been a factor mm. at all. So that that's disappointing. Yeah, I I could certainly see a team going and acquiring Thad or Kem Birch, but the the return back is or or are those guys being an additional player like you said in a bigger trade, but I don't I don't think you've got a ton of teams lining up to go acquire those guys, and I can't imagine the return is going to be too too great either. So, um, that but look like the those back end of rotation guys, they're not really playing a ton of minutes right now <clears throat> this current rappers rotation anyway so yeah i also i'm not so certain like how much moving them would really move the needle in terms of like plummeting down the standings if you will um but i mean that's a veteran that wants to play in a competitive postseason environment so sure. if they do decide um to take a step in the, in you know a tanking direction um, I could see them looking to move him just a to do right by this veteran that they signed um, yeah. to a short-term contract this summer. Um, that, that that's a thought I could see um, coming to fruition, but there there isn't. I mean, Malachi Flynn I think could have some retrade value in that. Mm. You know, he was a first-round pick. There was a lot of interest in him around the league. Like at that time, he hasn't exactly had a total runway to flourish in Toronto, and. I mean, teams love to take shots on former first-round picks. The the pedigree that you have as as a recruit, Ooh, as, a, yeah. as a prospect, you know, from high high school rankings through the draft, like that 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 sticker shock that that shine stays on you until it doesn't. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just I mean, Bruno Caboclo to, to throw out a name was still getting a lot of opportunity around the league for a long, <laughs> long time, even though it never really clicked. So, I think of all the people who are not starter level um, players on this Raptors team, Malachi uh-huh. Flynn probably would have the most amount, uh, the highest amount of opposing teams probably knocking on Toronto's door to see what his availability would be. Bruno was in what Memphis last year, right? For a little so. bit. He was yeah. in, the, he's in the league now. I believe he's in the Mex- Mexican Mexico city go. Capitanes. There you go. Hey man, like you talk about vision six, nine. I mean, <laughs> that man's a fit in that way. I guess Masai was onto something with it. Unfortunately, it hasn't really worked out so for him. Is, is vision six, nine, like a full trademark, like team slogan, <laughs> or that's just something that media fans, people following the team of kind yeah. like, cause trust yeah. the process. Like for example, in Philly, was not a thing the team wanted to even be affiliated with for a while. They were kind of like distancing distancing themselves from it. Like, is that uh, a a team sponsored thing or more of like a hoopla (laughs) around the franchise? 
it's a hoopla, but what's funny is that they don't actually have that many players who are six nine. Most of them are six eight <laughs> or yeah. six seven. Um, but I think that uh when they had uh Pascal, Scotty, and OG, especially when they got Scotty um through that Tampa season, which I mean, hey, it wasn't a great season, it was terrible for everyone, but they got Scotty Barnes out of it. So I mean, it'd be what it'd be. Uh it's just like pound the rock. Pound the rock with Dwayne Casey. That became a slogan around yeah. here. You gotta pound the rock if you guys want to get better. His voice, that's a man right there. Pound the rock. And that that's not said, said anymore around here, but um he he lives in infamy because of that particular comment. He'll always have a place in Raptors history. And also he was a very good coach, and I'm happy he's uh, making a home there in, in Detroit. Uh we'll see how long that, that that home lasts, unfortunately. That is true. That is true. I mean, as we saw with him uh around here, you know, he's a great coach, but uh, can he win you a championship? Eh, I don't know. But as he said. I love that he said this too, after the Raptors won a championship, he's like, yeah, I mean, if you give me Kawhi Leonard and Mark Gasol and Danny Green, Hey, maybe I win a championship too, but we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> um, from the Raptors perspective in terms of players coming back, what are they looking to acquire? I mean, they're always looking for draft capital. Every team's looking for draft capital. They, they, the Raptors like to build, you know, through within uh, development of their players. They're very proud of their development system. Delano Banton right now, like he's spent a lot of a good portion of the past few weeks um, in uh, the G League because, you know, Malachi Flynn has kind of harnessed minutes and they just want Mal or Delano to keep on playing. So what are they looking to get at the deadline? We know, like we already mentioned, like the issues that they have, but is there anything that you've, from what you understand, that they're trying to acquire uh, at in February? So this current transaction cycle, mm -hmm. I've not heard and I mean, I've been looking, have not heard. I don't think the Raptors have even signaled uh, things that they're are positions that they're actually like targeting right now. I think they're going to play the role of listener here with yeah. an eye towards the positions that they want. And, you know, you talked about rim protection. That's been, that's been the position that it seems like Toronto has really looked at um, actually with intention um, the last you know, the trade deadline uh, last year, this summer, you know, Christos Porzingis was the name they were looking at with that Goran Dragic package that it didn't and work they out. they really were? And they really were looking at him? They, that that was a real conversation. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, besides Washington, honestly, the, the Raptors were the most serious uh, potential landing spot for Christos Porzingis uh, last year. Okay. Um, I mean, I think both with – the DeAndre Ayton restricted free agency, and then with his offer sheet to Indiana, that put Miles Turner's situation there in flux. Which this is also that that little sliding doors moment is a perfect example of how fluid the league can be and how fluid all this stuff we're talking about with the Raptors can be. Because uh -huh. there was a chance that the Pacers got DeAndre Ayton and then moved Miles Turner out the door, and that was less than you know six months ago. And now you've got Rick Carlisle. Um, in post-game press conferences saying Miles Turner didn't get pulled from this game because we're trading him. Like, I'm, I don't <laughs> want to trade Miles Turner. I love Miles Turner. He's here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, but during all that, like, there definitely was interest from Toronto in, in both Aiton and Miles Turner. Um, I mean, they checked in on Rudy Gobert, too. I was told recently by someone with the Jazz that that was not exactly, like, a serious thing. Um, I think probably because... Uh, the Jazz asked for OG Ananobi, and the Raptors were not interested in that swap. Um, so I definitely would look at centers. 
And in terms of pick stuff, I mean, right now, you know, Detroit says it with Bojan Bogdanovic. Like, I'm trying to think of other examples, but right now, unprotected picks are, are all the rage, right? Yeah, and there was a sure. time period where there was no no such thing as an unprotected pick getting traded, but you saw three for DeJounte Murray go out the door. You saw a four for four or five for Rudy Gobert, depending on exactly. A billion. A billion. A billion. <laughs> Yeah. And there's pick swaps in there. Like, Donovan Mitchell had unprotected picks and pick swaps. If the Raptors were to ever move OG on an OB, that, that haul would be similar yeah. to what we saw for at least at least DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray, where you're getting multiple, multiple unprotected picks thrown sure. a swap. Um, that, that seems to be pretty clear um, from everything I've heard. But in terms of, like, Gary and Fred, I mean, I think, the rappers are just going to take a, a wait and see approach. And from everything I've heard, like traditionally, historically, the way they operate at the deadline is they take and make a lot of calls. They throw up their options on the board. I don't know if it's an actual board or a proverbial <laughs> board, but you know, yeah. they take their options. And then as the going, you know, comes down to the final wire, they make their decision. So mm. I, I do think they're, you know, instead of like, teams hunting for this and that that's not the that's not the impression i get i think they're going to be more passive about it and let opportunities come to them and then kind of make a decision oj anobi what is his appetite to be dealt there were the reports um before the season started that you know he was unhappy with his role and then he kind of scoffed at it saying nope didn't come from me um but i mean we know there's a game within the game and I don't think the Raptors want to move him. I think they they understand what they have. I mean, he, for a little while, he was like in the running as a conversation of uh, defensive player of the year, right? Uh, not too long ago. And he still is kind of that caliber. It's just the Raptors aren't really performing to where they want to be. So his name isn't going to really you know gravitate towards voters. But in the end, he is still one of the best perimeter defenders, one of the best, one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA. Do they want to move him or are they just thinking like no he's he's irreplaceable i don't think they want to move him i don't think they will move him to be honest i think the only way because look when the nets were dealing with kevin durant's trade request last summer they didn't want to move him either yeah but at a certain point if they got an offer from toronto or from boston or from whoever that just knocked them over at clear value that you have to take yeah, there's people there who would have taken it. So maybe there is a scenario, you know, you look at a team like New Orleans, and I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying they've had uh, legitimate conversations there, but New Orleans is a very active team, and they've got a treasure trove of picks. If New Orleans decided to throw, you know, someone like Herb Jones, who is an All NBA defensive caliber player as well, and a bunch of picks, we're talking, you know, three, four picks. Plus, maybe another, they're going to have to throw another player to match the salary. And it's something that makes Toronto's ears perk up. No, I think there there is a chance. I think there is a chance. Just knowing that, you know, go to DeJounte Murray again. He was dealt from San Antonio for the, the fact that they got that impressive, impressive haul for him. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that his contract situation is very similar to OG's and that he's going to be expiring contract in 2024. And with the way the CBA is structured and how quote unquote low his salary figure is compared to what he'll be able to command there, the rappers will not be able to extend him. OG Ananobi is essentially guaranteed to reach unrestricted free agency in 2024. And 
if you have any fear that he's not going to want to stick around or that there will be teams who will throw him an opportunity, you know, Jeremy Grant, for example, in recent years, who by all accounts took the same exact money from Detroit that he was offered in Denver because he wanted to be a number one. You know, if there's a team that has a clear spot for him to have a bona fide number two, number one type opportunity like that, that's a scary prospect. So I I could, I could see the Raptors really listening if they get an offer that just blows their doors off. But everything I've, I mean, everyone knows that OG Ananobi is a favorite of Masai Ujiri. And I think that blow your doors off benchmark is going to have to be, Legitimate. They're going to have to be wowed by an offer to move that guy. Sure. Does he want to leave? <laughs> I don't. I don't think he. From everything I've heard, I don't think he like is banging on the door to get out. But I mean, when he talks to Tyrese Halliburton after that game on January second, I believe it was, and you know he played in Indiana. Like people are looking at that. I think. Yeah. I think there's certainly uh you know an idea of like what could the could the grass be greener in, in 30 or 29 of the markets i think that's definitely a thought but like is he asking for a trade request is he like demanding to get out is he wanting to get out i don't think so I th- I, but there's just too much smoke there to not have sure. to not to for not to not be somewhat real like I, I think there's definitely a wandering eye and definitely interest and mm-hmm. curiosity to see what could be out there for him in a different situation okay so jake I mean, this was a, a great conversation i guess closing thoughts on on definitely. the raptors and uh going forward with them how much are they impacting the trade market like how much are they going to be controlling how teams approach uh, their deadline. Um, Cause we yeah. know, I mean, just like we saw with Kyle Lowry, like they held on to that card for a very, very, very long time. And they ultimately decided not to do anything at the deadline. Um, and then eventually there was, uh, you know, the swap with uh, the Miami heat and um, things went according to their plan. They got pressure the chew out of it. So they were happy about that. But yeah. Uh, how much are the Raptors going to be dictating what happens on Feb nine? Yeah, I think it's a great question because the second the Raptors creeped into the equation for Kevin Durant, like the market changed, right? And I think from a lot of what I've heard, some teams are a bit curious as to how much the Raptors have been talking and wondering if they're trying to put blood in the water to kind of control the marketplace and to kind of have all these calls coming in and to really, you know, think about every team as a balloon, you know, to hold all these balloons and kind of then decide which ones to let go, kind of keep everyone wrapped up in what the Raptors are doing. And therefore they can kind of control the market here. If you're, because all those guys we just talked about, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, and if you want to put Pascal Siakam in that conversation, you can. I'd be floored if they moved him, honestly. I think he wants to be their um, international player who, you know, very much has been content and happy and thrilled to be in Toronto um, and has embraced being the, the leader of this team in a post-Kawhi situation, right? Obviously, Fred is kind of that 
leader in terms of spirit and mentality, but Pascal has been in terms of the ball is in his hands when the game is on the line in most scenarios, right? Or when this team needs someone to go get buckets, it's Pascal Siakam who does that. All those guys are going to be either the best or in the top couple of players available at their position. Mm -hmm. So the rappers will be able to kind of hold those markets hostage a little bit as long as they're flirting. Oh, we might. Oh, we're listening. So yeah, there could be a clear opportunity to your point of the rappers kind of playing, you know, the central figure of this, you know, domino effect here, um, which would be really interesting because they're a front office that obviously has a ton of staying power and a ton of support from ownership and Larry Tannenbaum that like they'll have flexibility to do pretty much anything they want versus other teams, other executives certainly have other pressures at play, other expectations, not as much of a rope. Um, and that's that will create an advantage in a lot of scenarios in terms of, you know, just like you, we talked about Kyle Larry, they just can decide to not do anything. I don't think they will. No one's expecting that to be the case but that's a threat that will loom on the table. It's going to be interesting. When's your Raptor notebook coming out? Tomorrow morning, Tuesday. So um, I tried not to uh, dump everything out, but I, I said what yeah, I could. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, we'll learn some more once we talk to the players today. Sounds good. Jake Fisher, Yahoo Sports, senior NBA writer. Thank you, man. This was informative and a great chat. Appreciate it. Talk soon. 15178 Jeep is a registered trademark. 